first, a word from our sponsor, Film Movement Plus, a streaming service for fans of independent and foreign film, delivers a world of award-winning entertainment, including some of the best movies from prestigious festivals around the globe. Among the hundreds of titles waiting for you to discover are acclaimed films you won't find anywhere else, plus newly restored classics and award-winning shorts with new films added every week. Available on all your favorite devices, including Roku, Apple TV, and Amazon Fire, Film Movement Plus is priced at $5.99 a month. But Watch With Jen listeners can get a 14-day free trial, plus 30% off their annual subscription using the promo code GEN30. Sign up today at filmmovementplus.com. Hey, this is Jen Johans at filmintuition.com and filmintuition on social media and Letterboxd. And this is Watch With Jen. This week, I am so excited to be joined once again by my Rotten Tomatoes approved film critic and podcaster friend, Rachel Wagner. In addition to covering as many films as she can each year on her website, Rachel's Reviews, she has a particular love of interviewing others from actors to directors to composers to animators to anyone with an interesting story to tell. And whether in print or audio, these conversations are a delight. A very prolific podcaster in her own right, Rachel is the founder of the very popular Hallmarkies podcast, plus her own Rachel's Reviews pod and YouTube channel, and is always uploading great new content every time you look. A member of the Utah Film Critics Association, and the Online Association of Female Film Critics, of which I'm also proud to be a member. When she isn't busy with all of that, you can find Rachel on Twitter at Rachel underscore reviews. Rachel, I want to thank you so much for being here. How are you doing and how is 2022 going for you so far? Doing great. You make me sound so fancy. It's very exciting. You are fancy. <laughs> yes. <Thank you. laughs> yeah. Had a great 2022 so far. Uh, I feel like it's been like two years already. It's just been two months. In- I know. <laughs> so much going long. on. <laughs> but uh, I'm really excited. I'm going to California at the end of the week to be part of the uh, Hollywood Critics Association Awards. Uh, so I can't wait. Uh, ever since COVID, it's like, it's kind of maybe my, my rebellious spirit. It's like, you tell me I can't do something. I want to do it all the more. And so I just had this travel itch. Uh, and so once uh, there was a way to do it safely, I I've just been really excited about getting out and doing stuff. Oh, I can't wait. Well, I'm going to live vicariously through that. Uh, I'm <laughs> yeah. sure on social media, you'll be uploading photos and all of that good stuff. So I'm looking forward to that. Fun. That'll be yeah. so fun. I'm Rachel, you are one of my busiest friends. It is so funny that back to back today and yesterday, I'm talking to two of the busiest and most incredibly prolific podcasters and critics I know between you and my good friend, Blake Howard of One Heat Minute Productions. I feel like you're putting me to shame most of the time. So what have you been working on lately? And is there anything on the horizon that you would like us to be on the lookout for soon? Yeah, well, we have kind of our routines and we have a 
interviews most Mondays on Hallmarkies podcast. And then we have our coverage on a regular episode on Wednesdays. Uh, but we're having a very special episode this Wednesday. Uh, we are having our Hallmarkies podcast awards where we uh, celebrate the best of Hallmark Channel and Hallmark Movies and Mysteries uh, for 2021. It's going to be a lot of fun. Oh, I'm editing yeah. it. Yeah, I took a break to from editing it to record this. So it's, it's very, okay. people are going to enjoy it. It's really fun. Oh, so exciting. And I know yeah. you're going to have some special guests on that, mm-hmm. people accepting their awards. Is there anything? Yep, we're going to have Christopher Palaha on, who's, who's a big favorite, Tyler Hines, uh, Tamara Mowry, Hasley. Uh, so a lot of fun uh, guests, John Brotherton. Uh, so definitely want to tune in. Yes, definitely. We'll have to do that. Another thing that you and Blake both have in common is that you were both kind enough to have me onto your podcast early, well before I ever kicked off mine. You guys kind of showed me how it was done. And how perfect is it that the thing that first introduced us is the reason that we're here today. To explain a few years back, I was asked to step in and host a Twitter discussion of romantic comedies by my friend and editor, Annie Jung at DVD Netflix. I believe it was to celebrate Valentine's Day. So again, good timing. It's right around (laughs) here. Assigned the job of creating a questionnaire on the genre I asked everything from favorite declarations of love speeches to the movies where you're absolutely convinced that the lead character just wound up with the wrong girl or the wrong guy. It was a ball. And throughout the hour, I kept seeing these sharp, witty replies from Rachel, who at exactly my age, I believe, had some similar cultural touchstones. I guessed it on Hallmarkies to go over the experience and do the questionnaire all over again. Then I came back a few times to discuss Criterion movies and being a female film critic. And last year, Rachel joined me to talk about obscure foreign and micro-budget animation, which is one of her areas of knowledge and focus. But I was so glad to have you back to, again, talk about the 90s heyday of laugh-out-loud funny rom-coms. We'll go into the films we selected of Father of the Bride, While You Were Sleeping, Clueless, and Notting Hill, a little bit deeper in a moment, but before we do that, what is it about the genre? And in particular, what do you respond to about it the most? I think that romantic comedies are inherently hopeful. Yes. They're, they're, they all have happy endings. It's part of the genre. Mm-hmm. They're about uh, the hope of finding somebody uh, that uh, you can love and that loves you back. And uh, that's just something I think we all need sometimes is we need a little bit of hope. Yeah, we do need optimism. I think like the reason we're here is to connect with one another, to help each other out and to meet people, to be friends, even if it's not, you know, romantic love, just love platonically. I think it's a really good genre. It's so life affirming, exactly what you were saying, hopeful, optimistic. It's, you know, you just feel good. It's kind of comfort food movies, essentially. And that's what I love about it as well. Yeah. And I think actually that most people have have love in their lives. Most people, uh, you know, hopefully fall in love at least once in their lives. And so I think it's something that people can connect with. Yeah. It's a universal experience. Mm -hmm. We've all been there and we all go through it again and again. You you can be nine or 90. Love is always there for sure. Yeah. Do you remember like an early rom-com that might've kicked off your love for it? It's a good question. Early. 
Um, well, I mean, I, as a little girl, I loved the sound of music. It's not really a rom-com, but it, the romance Love story. Yeah. Yeah. So that was one that I watched over and over and over again. I also loved the Disney princess movies. I was yeah. a huge little mermaid fan. Uh, and then I, 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 there's a whole bunch of movies that I call like sleepover movies <laughs> that I would watch with my girlfriends. A lot of them, probably my mom wouldn't have wanted me to watch something like dirty dancing with its darker themes. Uh, but that's one, uh, that I remember girls just want to have fun mm-hmm. and buy me love. And there's like a whole era of movies from, <laughs> from, that, from that whole yeah. 80s. 90s it's uh-huh. so funny you bring up dirty dancing which isn't again it's not like a comedy but it kind of fits this whole uh vibe that we're going for yeah there was something about like Patrick Swayze I don't know I think he was oh. just too sexy that my parents who were super like liberal as far as film watching went there was something about it that dirty dancing like I didn't see until high school which is hilarious because you know, I had one of those dads who were like, ah, yeah, I'm watching Die Hard or Platoon. You're in second grade. You can watch, you know. <laughs> and so um, I grew up like that. And I remember my mom worked at the library and she used to bring home videos that were brand new. And I think what it was with Dirty Dancing is she brought it home and we had people over. And so she just put it in and didn't really. And then the credits start and it's a little <laughs> raw. And it was kind of then it was weird. Like you're watching this with the kids and you know, I was probably in like first or second grade. And so then it was like the movie that was forbidden, you know, ghost as well. And Roadhouse. Oh, yeah. I, yeah. I don't know what it was about Patrick Swayze, but <laughs> it was like, yeah, you can watch taxi driver, but I tell you what dirty <laughs> dancing. So I'm just, I'm glad yeah. you brought that one up. Yeah. The princess bride would have been another one for sure yeah. that I would have watched a lot. Oh gosh. A, yes. Great yeah. school. Yep. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That one uh, is, is extremely, I mean, it's popular everywhere, everywhere, yeah. but it's extremely popular here in Utah. Okay. Uh, I joke that it could be like a, a book of scripture. <laughs> <It's> so popular. <laughs> That's so funny. <laughs> but um, yeah, I mean, and then even something like Aladdin, I mean, I was a big fan of, the, I mean, it was such a great era of Disney animation that, mm-hmm. you know, most people were a fan of it. <laughs> yeah oh no and I know you like classic movies too like you know oh, yeah. Philadelphia story and some of those so yeah bringing up baby I remember oh, that one great one watching that one I mean my parents aren't big movie people in general that's right a lot of You're it I had to that. yeah a lot of it I had to kind of figure out for myself I yeah I, I don't remember aside from Disney movies uh, mm-hmm. And even them, I, my parents just don't watch a lot of movies. That's right. But uh, but we had those, and so we'd watch them. But okay. uh, but yeah, that was definitely um, uh, the the some of the classics. My, my dad really loves the sound of music. That's probably part of the reason why we watched that whole. Oh, gotcha. <laughs> my that parents. <laughs> yeah, uh, it was funny. One of my friends, um, Sean Cosby, S.A. Cosby, he writes these mm-hmm. crime books, uh, Razor Blade Tears and Blacktop Wasteland. And he was telling us a really funny story about when he uh, started dating his now wife. And he's like, I kept having her over and I would put on my favorite movies. And they were all these really dark movies or like Burt Reynolds from the 70s. And about yeah three weeks into this she said can I choose the movie and he's like oh yeah show me one of your favorites and so she brought it over and put it in the player and he had no idea what it was and uh while he was getting ready he's like so what are we watching she's like well it's my favorite movie oh cool let's do it 
it's sound of music. And he started laughing because he thought she was kidding. And she oh, was, no. she was not. And, um, but you know what? And so I think he said they got in a little bit of a fight about it, but he's like, now we watch it every year on my anniversary and I'm a complete sound of music person. So yeah. I was going to say those, those fighting words. People yeah. love the sound of music. You can't mess with that film, <laughs> I guess. Pretty yeah, much. I think so. Yeah, absolutely. Well, going chronologically, our first film released in 1991 is a remake of the 1950 original of the same name, Father of the Bride, starring Spencer Tracy. Here in for Tracy in this update, we have actor Steve Martin as George Banks, the successful yet fiscally conservative owner of an athletic shoe company who gets the surprise of his life when his 22-year-old daughter, Annie, winningly played by Kimberly Williams, uh, who is now Kimberly Williams Paisley, of course, returns from graduate study abroad in Rome with the sudden announcement that she's engaged to the son of wealthy Bel Air residents and played here by George Newbern as the 26-year-old fiance Brian, plus Peter Michael Getz and Kate McGregor Stewart as his parents. As George's wife, Diane Keaton shines, and long before he joined the cast of Succession, Kieran Culkin stars as Annie's young brother. And rounding out the cast are the very funny Martin Short and B.D. Wong as wedding planners Honk and Franck. Directed by Charles Shire and written by Shire with his partner and now ex-wife turned filmmaker Nancy Myers. It's a sweet-natured remake with a modern feminist 90s sensibility, yet it still retains a a touch of old-fashioned nostalgia. So what is your take on this one? Well, when we picked these, we should say that we were really trying to get ones that were like laugh out loud funny. Yes. Which is why we don't have like, you've got mail and which is amusing, but we were really trying to pick ones that were very funny was mm-hmm. the goal. So, yeah. Um, but yeah, so this movie, it still makes me laugh. We actually did a um, father of the bride ranking uh, me and my friend Marissa Sarfini last year uh, for Hallmarkies podcast, a bonus episode where we ranked the two Spencer Tracy we, uh, films and then the two, St- you know, Steve Martin films. And, uh, and, and that was so much fun. And I, th- I think this, I think both father of the bride films, well, in this, the Spencer Tracy ones are fine, but, um, but I think they hold up really well. They, yeah. they, they do. They're still really funny. Mm-hmm. And I mean, I don't know what the heck Martin Short is doing, what that accent is like, what is yes. It's but like it's so French, funny. but it's it's not any kind of French that you know. No. Is it Belgian? What is going on? It's it's great. Yes. Yeah, it's so yeah. good. And <laughs> there's so many sweet, tender scenes. And I think mm-hmm. that helps a lot, you know, when he's watching her play basc- basketball, when he hears- Oh, I love that dynamic. Yeah. Yeah. When he hears the the two uh, siblings saying they love each other. Oh, yeah. You know, and then he puts his hand over his heart and those kinds of scenes, I think, is what really makes us stand out. Yes. I didn't get a chance to rewatch Father of the Bride Part 2 this time. Is that one? How did you rank that one? I mean, that one is definitely nutty. It's 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 silly, but it's but as somebody I when I went away to college, my mom was pregnant. And so, okay while not the same time, I can kind of relate to certain dynamics of, 
of having, you know, your mom have a baby when you're a little bit older. And yeah, I, I, I kind of related to that. And, uh, it does have also have some really sweet moments, really tender moments and some funny moments. And so I, I enjoy it. It's not as good as the first one, but I think we, we did, uh, father, father of the bride, 1991, first father of the bride, Spencer Tracy, second mm-hmm. father by two and third, then, and then the um, sequel to Spencer Tracy one fourth. Is that father's little dividend? Is that the, okay. yeah. 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 And it, here's one thing I, I thought we was, would be worth discussing is why do you think that romantic comedies make such good remakes? If you think about it, when we have the Ooh, shop right around the question. corner, Made mm-hmm. into You've Got Mail, which both are great. Yeah. You have Sabrina, very successful, in my opinion, at least successfully remade. Yeah, uh, I love it too. Yeah, yep. my Sydney, with Sydney, Sydney Pollock directing. Um, that's a great movie. You have uh, the remake that we're talking about now, Father of the Bride. You have a remake of Parent Trap, which is basically a romantic comedy. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't know. There's a bunch. Uh, and so what do you think about the genre makes it so winning when it's remade? I think they're timeless for exactly all the reasons we were pointing out at the beginning of the podcast when you're talking about why we love it. It's like, uh, no matter how modern life gets, you're going to have parents and children, you're going to fall in love, maybe a few times in your life, hopefully, um, like if something doesn't go well, or keep falling in love with the same person and learning new things about them. And so I think you're always going to be open to that. And these dynamics don't change. And so I think that might be part of it. Yeah, Yeah, that's a really good question. And you brought up um, the Parent Trap remake, which again was Nancy Myers. Um, And so she really does respond to these kind of classic old Hollywood films and these classic tropes and knows how to retool them. And I think she does it really well. Because even if they're not actually a remake, they're very... Uh, almost like a reboot, like Sleepless in Seattle and Affair to yeah. Remember, you know, things like that. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. It's interesting. But yeah, Father of the Bride, it's just, it's just so funny. I mean, I have like very small nitpicks. Uh, like I do think the scene at the pool it lasts a little too it long. It goes a little long. Yes. Yeah. I will agree with you. It's kind of unbearable. And it's sort of like that discomfort, uh, that cringe comedy that like we wound up uh, getting with Meet the Parents and Meet the Fockers yeah. and all those films. Yeah. And, uh, you know, and it works, but it's also kind of unbearable. And it goes on a little long. It's a little sitcom yeah. but the lines in this, like the dialogue, I mean, it's still classic. I yeah. make jokes about the fact that I can't make a hot dog. Like this is, Oh, I love that scene. So yeah, much. I, this isn't one, like I watch a million times a year or anything. I think this was the first time I saw it in several years. I still can't like cook a hot dog without hearing yeah. him losing hot the dogs. Store. Yes, my, with the, my, some big shot at the bond company no, got together with some big shot. And my just, favorite part of that that scene though is when the manager comes up to you and says, "Sir, why don't we just calm down?" Because <laughs> you're not excited. It takes two for a wee to calm down. Now does yes that I don't know, sir. <laughs> I know it was really cool to see, um, and it was interesting. I was thinking about that. This was right after Parenthood. So you have all these phases in Steve Martin's career. Next week, I'm actually recording a whole episode on Steve Martin in the 80s. And it's like, this is right after that um, 
wake of films that, you know, he was kind of an all-time box office uh, titan there for a little bit in the 80s. And then he started to make these sort of, they're comedies, but there's also dramatic elements where he's playing a family man and it's right on top of parenthood. But he does it so well. I love him with Diane Keaton. Diane Keaton works so well with uh, Nancy Myers and Charles Shire. I mean, this is after Baby Boom, which now Mm -hmm. that film, I probably watch, you know, twice a year because I yeah. crush on Sam Shepard and I just I love that film. Yeah. <laughs> that was a favorite of my grandma's. So we I watched, yeah, I would watch it with her. She really liked that one. Uh one of my favorite scenes in Father of the Bride is the, the scene where she goes absolutely unhinged about the blender. Yes. And she's like, we thought you might want to blend something someday. That's all. And the thing that makes it especially funny to me is that my dad had just gotten my mom that same blender for like her birthday or something like that, like weeks before. And we're like, oh, what a terrible gift you you gave her. Mom's like, I liked it. It was nice. (laughs) My favorite part of that whole scene is he's like such a good dad. For the first half, he's like quietly like, what did this guy do? You know, like <laughs> trying to figure it out. Like, did he cheat on you? You're you're like immediately thinking something just horrible happened. Yeah. And it's like, you know, she makes smoothies. He got her a blender and it freaked her out. <laughs> yes. <laughs> oh, God. Yeah, it's really good. I and did you see the uh, Father of the Bride? Uh, what did they call it? Father of the Bride Part Three thing they did? I am a bad host. Special. I actually forgot to watch it. And now, yeah. <laughs> what did you think of it though? Oh, I loved it so much. Of okay, course, this came out, watch it. like this came out sort of peak pandemic, pandemic. Yeah. Uh, when everybody was, at least everybody I know was really isolated. And so mm-hmm. it was just such a breath of fresh air. It was so sweet. So great. And I'm like, oh man, I would watch a, a whole nother movie with all these people. The casting was so great. Oh, uh, can't wait they, to watch. Yeah, it's so, it's so cute. I, I okay. think, yeah. All right. Either I'm going to check it. that out. Yeah. <laughs> Everybody, I, I apologize. I screwed up. You know, I was going to watch the second oh, one I, too. I forgot then, to remind yeah. you. <laughs> so. Oh no, you're fine. Yeah. It's like, hello, do your research, Jen. No, but it's, <laughs> yeah, it's just such a good one. Um, trying to think of other, oh, in the 90s, do you remember George Newbern and Kimberly Williams did all those Hallmark commercials together? Do you remember this? No, I didn't know that or uh, I forgot. Okay, well, I worked at Hallmark, like the store, not the uh-huh. channel in the 90s. So we would probably see way more advertising than your average bear. And Uh they used to do these commercials where they played a couple and giving each other cards or buying cards together. And it was with Hallmark. And uh, yeah, it was it was really fun. And so I was thinking about what a great um, couple those two made together. Yeah. For a long time, I thought it was (laughs) I thought it was Paul Rudd. He looks a lot like Paul Rudd to me. (laughs) No, no, it's not. (laughs) Yeah. I just watched um, Adventures in Babysitting again recently for an episode Uh I did with Courtney Howard. And I was like, oh my God, that's him right before Father of the Bride. Yeah. 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 But it's it's a good one. It holds up. It It does. does. Well, up next, we have the charming 1995 rom-com While You Were Sleeping from director John Turtletaub and writers Daniel G. Sullivan and 
Friedrich Lebeau, which stars the ever charismatic speed star Sandra Bullock as his Chicago Transit Authority token collector who develops a crush from afar on a handsome commuter played by Peter Gallagher, who she sees heading off for work every morning, jumping onto the tracks to save him after he is mugged and falls onto the platform after she wistfully announces I was going to marry him more to herself than anyone else at the hospital. She's mistakenly assumed to be his fiance and soon falls under the spell of his entire charming and boisterous Chicago family who eagerly adopt her while waiting for the comatose man to wake up. Things get increasingly complicated when she finds herself mutually attracted to Peter's charming, more blue-collar and far less yuppie brother, Bill Pullman, who I'm excited to say for once actually manages to get the girl in a rom-com. Like, round of applause, everyone. Dude kept striking out in the 90s in movies like Sleepless in Seattle and Summersby and others. A film that's become a bonafide holiday classic since set around Christmas time and New Year's. Rachel, please tell me your thoughts on While You Were Sleeping. We covered it uh, two years ago uh, for our New Year's special, me and my friend Greg McBride on Hallmarkies. And we talked about in there that it might be a perfect movie. Like, I have so little flaws with it. It is yeah, so, so charming, winning mm-hmm. and charming. And it does everything that it's trying to do incredibly well. Mm-hmm. I mean, like, maybe Ashley is a little over the top. Yeah. <laughs> that's and that's about it. We're talking like yeah. I mean, I just love the whole spirit of family in this movie. And mm-hmm. I I I think that it's so well written, the banter between the two of them, the banter between her and her colleagues at work. There's some really funny scenes in there. <laughs> there are uh, doctors <laughs> for this kind of thing. Yeah. That's a good one. <laughs> yes. Um, yeah, and the chemistry is incredible. Mm-hmm. And I, I just think they describe the feeling of being alone better than almost any movie that I've ever seen. There was someone on Twitter the other day that was asking what movie captures loneliness the best. Mm -hmm. And I said, don't laugh, but I would say while you're sleeping, I think it, when she's talking about, when she gives that speech to him about, uh, um, that uh, that she's spending her time talking to a man in a coma. Um, mm-hmm. That whole speech is so beautiful and it yeah. so captures that experience of being alone. Yeah, it does. And just how much she really wants, like what her parents had. Or, um, you know, there's that great, there's something about romantic comedies, especially in this period um, where they're very nostalgic. They're often filmed in like golden or bright lighting, kind of like when you go through an old photo album and your pictures are a little bit yellowing or goldish. And, you know, there's that great line at the beginning when she's recalling her parents love and she has a jokey line like I this is my I just don't remember my childhood being this orange or something like that (laughs) and um you know it's perfect there's an element of melancholy though that kind of exists right from that beginning Mm -hmm. of um you know that she had lost both of her parents she took care of her dad when he was sick she is somebody who's alone. She's a very caring person. Like at the beginning, um, you know, she's the one that winds up working the holidays because she doesn't really yeah. have a family. I think it also kind of captures how important it is to 
bring people into your lives. Uh, Saul, the family friend who's become like their new adoptee, then she, it just, it shows that, you know, it's never too late. You can bring people in, make your own chosen family and seek people out. But yeah, it really does capture loneliness and how you can kind of slide through the cracks in this um, fast paced society where people just sort of keep to themselves. Yeah. She says, says, do you ever believe in love at first sight? Nah, I bet you don't. You're probably too sensible for that. Or have you ever like seen somebody and you knew that if only that person really knew you, they would, Mm -hmm. well, of course, dump the, the perfect model they were with and realize that you were the one they wanted to just scroll with. Have you ever fallen in love with someone you haven't even talked to? Have you ever been so alone? You spend the night confusing a man in a coma. Yes. It just, yeah, it really does touch your heart. Oh my gosh. But then it's also, I, it's also really funny. uh, It is. Which is why we picked it. Like I love the whole scene. The dinner scene is perfection yeah and they're going back and forth all of in their interview alan lad wasn't tall or whatever season yeah. Romero. yes argentinians make great beef beef and nazis <laughs> yes they're all talking about different things yeah. I mean, who hasn't been to one of those like family get-togethers where there's like six conversations happening at once and you get snippets and you're like what are they talking about yes I also love the scene towards the end when, uh, when Jack is sitting with his dad and his dad says, you know, you have those moments where everyone is happy, everything mm-hmm. is good. And it, you're at peace with the family. Mm. And I just love it. Jack's like, dad, this is not one of those moments. <laughs> Cause who can't relate to that, that you know, you, you, as if you're part of a family, especially a big family, you, know, you should have every once in a while, you just have those moments. You're like, <sighs> everything's fine. Yes. <laughs> this is not one of those moments. <laughs> yes. And I get a kick out of like Lucy, just uh, the character played by Sandra Bullock, just how nice she is to like everybody, even the ridiculous. I mean, that's, you know, an Italian American stereotype, uh, Joe Jr. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Michael Rispoli, who's just so funny. I love like, just some of the the prop comedy that happens in the background like she's slinking off and he's got a hammer inexplicably to like fix his car it's just hilarious and yeah um, there's so many good lines like if you fit into my pants i'll kill myself yeah (laughs) we can try on you know like he wants to try on her shoes Yeah, I love this movie so much. We could probably talk for a full hour on just, just on this, this movie. One. It's yeah. so good. It's yeah, per- it really is uh, almost perfect. It's so good. I know. I was wondering if Julia Roberts or Demi Moore, the people that turned it down, like have yeah. ever kicked themselves a little bit. Like, what was I thinking? But Sandra is so perfect in it. Yeah, yeah. she's so good in the mm-hmm. role. Yes. Well, also in 1995, we have the surprise sleeper summer hit that has since gone on to become not only a touchstone of teen comedy, but also one of the best film adaptations of a Jane Austen novel ever made. In fact, one of my favorite college English professors argued that not only was Amy Heckerling's infectious, cheery, sunshine, bright comedy, Clueless, a perfect update of Emma, but in the way that the writer-director played with language, too. 
not only to not only parrot, but also create non-existent 90s teen slang. It was the most truly Jane Austen-like in its spirit. With our Beverly Hills set, Emma renamed Cher and played wondrously by Alicia Silverstone and her nightly brought to life by Paul Rudd. The film's terrific cast also included Brittany Murphy, Stacey Dash, Donald Faison, Dan Hedaya, Wallace Shawn, and more in its tale of a teen whose matchmaking schemes run amok. Obviously a contemporary classic that needs no further introduction. Rachel, let's dive in. So talk to me about Clueless. Oh my gosh, Clueless. It's so great. It came came out when I was a freshman in high school, so it was like the perfect time for me to see my world kind of commented on and uh, portrayed in film and Mm -hmm. and to go into high school after watching this being like, Oh my gosh, she got it. And she got it there. And she got it there. And that's the (laughs) And I think they do a really good job of taking a character that in most movies would be a mean girl. Yes. But they give, they give Cher so much heart and make her so sweet and she's always, you know, has the best of intentions mm-hmm. that uh, it helps you to uh, to just really become invested in her early on. And there's just so many funny stuff. I love that what your teacher said. But uh, you know, things like, uh, did I run into a case of bad lighting? You know, like, <laughs> stuff like that. <laughs> yeah. like, yes. So good. I mean, and probably the most iconic scene of the whole movie is her speech on the Hadians. Oh yeah. <laughs> it does not say RSVP. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> I hobbled okay. to the, to the, to the kitchen, rearranged some places. And yeah. by the end it was like the more, the merrier. <laughs> if the government could just get to the kitchen, rearrange some stuff, we could party with the Hadians. Yes. Yeah. It's so good. <laughs> Did you see that video that was circulating uh, around, I think it was December where they had uh, the male leads from some of the biggest movies of the year, like Adam driver, um, yeah, they clearly have never seen the movie. You None could of them. tell. Yeah. Andrew Garfield, <laughs> like, what is the phrase? Understood the assignment. Like, he was getting into it. But the rest of them, it was like, guys, watch the movie. It's like none of them said Hadians. Like, I know you, they went with Haitians. And it's like, come on, Cher doesn't say that's it like the that. whole joke. Yes. You killed the joke. Yes. <laughs> I know. Yeah, but it, that was so disappointing. I was like, oh. Yeah, come on, you guys. Watch the movie. She is so good. When I watched it again this time, I was wondering, I was like mad in retrospect. Like, what is it going to take for the Academy Awards to like ever just award somebody for a comedy? Because that is a perfect comedic performance. It kind of reminds me of like Kevin Klein and A Fish Called Wanda or just one of those all-time greats. Or it's not a rom-com, but Tim Curry in uh, clue which is you watch it and he's basically doing the whole movie for the last half hour and it's incredible and you watch alicia silverstone and it's just amazing yeah the fact that it didn't get nominated for costumes is just absolutely ridiculous yeah i mean the that is some of the most influential costuming Mm -hmm. uh ever i would say in film ever yeah, a few years ago, Donatella Versace actually did a whole show. I think it was like 2017, 2018, based on Clueless or inspired mm-hmm. by Clueless. And it's like, yeah. yeah. Just because it's contemporary doesn't mean 
that mm-hmm. it's not incredibly difficult to put together. Yeah. Yeah. No. So. no, the costumes are great. The casting you brought up, Paul Rudd is so good. They're all good. Uh, Brittany Murphy. I, know. I just love how they adopt this sort of offbeat girl because exactly what you were saying. Like, usually, I mean, you have these stereotypical, like the rich, ditzy girl should be kind of yeah. mean or something. <laughs> and uh, she's not. She's a good hearted person. When Amy yeah. Harkerling was working on it originally, it was like a TV script and she was writing it. And she's like, I just kept writing a character, like, no matter what bad things happen she would be fine and like having fun and trying her best. And she's like, I just fell in love with the character more than the script and then adapted. Yeah. She reread Emma and got it, but yeah. Yeah. Don't you want to use your popularity for a good cause? (laughs) 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 And I mean, the, the fountain of youth actor, Paul Rudd, I mean, yes. this was most of our introdu- introductions to him mm-hmm. and he's great and they have great chemistry. Yes, I mean, some people do. get weirded out by the fact they were step siblings, but it was yeah. like five I mean, years ago. And yeah. <laughs> your dad was hardly married. <laughs> I mean, your I mom know. was hardly it's married one to of my those dad. Beverly Hills weddings <laughs> where like you're married for five minutes. Essentially. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> like if she can't date any past relatives, she's not going to date. No, I'm just kidding. But I mean, I also love her dad. I think it's, he's so really good. hilarious. Yeah. <laughs> I love how knowing he is like, you do that, Josh, because he totally knows that Josh mm-hmm. likes her and hasn't quite figured it out yet. Or maybe he hasn't admitted it to himself. Yeah. Couldn't be more proud than if they were based on actual greats. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Or at the dinner table, just their dynamic together is so good. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I love it. It's love one it. of my favorites. I forget I did a um top uh, top 100 movies of all time. Okay. And uh it was in the top 20. Cool. Yeah, it's it's very good. Oh my gosh. Yeah, one of the best. I I remember when it came out that summer too. It was right before I think I was starting. Yeah, it was right before I was going to start my freshman year. Exactly. And uh, I remember watching it and then getting really nervous. Like, is this what high school is like? Oh, my goodness. Yeah. yeah like, I am not cool enough. What What's going on? Nobody's talking about movies. No. But yeah. Yeah. It's just a fun movie. But this brings us to our last and most recent film on our 90s list, Notting Hill from Four Weddings and a Funeral writer Richard Curtis and director Roger Michelle, who, funnily enough, in a tie-in to our last film, an Austin adaptation in 1995, also directed his own Austin adaptation in 1995 with Persuasion. Notting Hill, though, stars the irrepressibly charming Hugh Grant as a travel bookseller who has a chance run-in with a gorgeous American movie star played by a gorgeous American movie star named Julia Roberts in an ensemble comedy that feels very much in step with other Curtis scripted films from this era. The film features one of the most quoted romantic declarations about being just a girl standing in front of a boy asking him to love her. And one of my favorite passage of time sequences ever as Grant walks down a street, seasons change, characters come and go, and it's all wordlessly set to ain't no sunshine when she's gone. I'm eager to hear from you, though. So take it away on Notting Hill. 
I love this movie so much. I mean, obviously it is perfectly cast. I mean, you mm-hmm. couldn't have anyone else playing these roles. Uh, Hugh Grant is just absolutely perfect uh, yeah. as this uh, as this uh, books uh, bookstore owner, travel books books travel only. They don't have the John Grisham thriller. Uh, that's yeah. right. <laughs> Um, and Julia Roberts, I mean, especially at that time, I mean, there's just nobody else who could have done that role. I mean, she was perfect playing this movie star. And again, why I picked it was because I think it is laugh out loud funny. The mm-hmm. script is so funny when he has to do the interview from Horse and Hound. Oh like that my God. Scene, the die. best, like the worst junket ever. And you're dying yeah. for him. Like she took your grandmother's flowers. Oh, right. She did. Bitch. Yeah. It's just, it's so good. Yeah. When, uh, yeah, when he says, uh, do you have any horses or hounds in the movie? And she's like, we would have liked to, but it was difficult given that it's set in space. <laughs> Her delivery of that line is just so good. Yeah. I have a couple of quibbles about their chemistry. I don't know mm-hmm. if they're, necessarily they don't have the chemistry but they're just so like separately they're so good in their roles yeah I guess she was the only one they wanted pretty much they were like we wrote it for Julia Roberts if she would have said no they didn't really have a plan yeah I can't think of anybody from that era Mm -hmm. that that because even somebody like Sandra Bullock was just sort of starting then maybe Meg Ryan maybe yeah but I I feel like even Meg Ryan doesn't have that kind of, she's more like an everyday mm-hmm. cuteness, um, not a like movie star cuteness. Oh. I mean, she is a movie star, but you know what I'm saying? Like, I just feel like Julia Roberts is the person you had to have her. She was on work. such a stratosphere. I think beyond even just being like a romantic comedy star. I mean, she was definitely yeah, that yeah. from Pretty Woman and stuff, but she'd done some serious stuff too. I mean, so by the time, like you saw a little bit of grit there. Um, in some mm-hmm. of her work. And so I think by the time she made this movie, you could see like maybe she has some experience with some of uh, she'd already been married and um, I think divorced by that time from Lyle Lovett. So she'd been through some things and I think needed that real world experience. She's really good. I think my favorite Richard Curtis is probably still Four Weddings and a Funeral, but honestly, this might be my favorite uh, Hugh Grant performance. Okay, maybe like Bridget Jones' Diary. He kills me in that, but I think I, as far as his winning persona, this, this those might are be it. those are all good. Also, I love about a boy so much, but oh, I adore that one. I always yeah. forget about that. Such a good book by Nick Hornby too. But oh. I think that was better than the book, actually. Yeah, I like the, the ending better anyway. But I don't think the four four weddings and funeral is like laugh out loud funny. Okay, you know what I mean. Like this is the most laugh out loud to me. Mm. Um, but also, she's pretty vulnerable uh, in yeah. the movie. She's she talks about having to have you know operations to make her face look the way it is and um you know getting beaten up by boyfriends and obviously this is the character we don't know if that's actually yeah we hope not but but i'm sure she has friends and she's she's people yeah um but one of my favorite scenes in the movie is when he brings her over to his sister's birthday party yes and uh you have a young hugh bonneville is there 
Okay. Can I just say, why did the sister not pick him? Because he obviously was into her. It kills me. Anyway, sorry. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Um, but I, I love that whole group, but to me, it feels very authentic. That yeah. feels like a real group of friends mm-hmm. and you can, you can sense that this is just something that's just not part of her life. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's just, it's so ordinary to everybody else, but to her, it's like really special. Yep. And I don't, I just love how that whole scene is filmed. It's so endearing. And, yeah. uh, I, I, I just really buy all the chemistry as this group of friends. I know. Have. I think that's what Curtis does so well as a writer. He writes mm-hmm. for ensembles. I mean, they're always just so brilliantly active, even some of the bit parts, like you see Emily Mortimer for like two minutes in a scene later. I mean, just even some of the small roles. I also remember this meaning a lot to me um, in 99 because it was the around the time I'd had my third spine surgery. And so, you know, you kind of like learn to walk again a few times. And so by the time I saw that, and then we had a character, um, I mean, thankfully I wasn't in a wheelchair, but I was watching yeah. um, this character and I'm like, wow, they just have a disabled character who's like not there to teach you a lesson or to die horribly and we all too. feel sad or anything. Like she's, she was the one that um, was involved with Hugh Grant and was probably the love of his life first and then uh, chose his friend or fell in love with his friend. And I just thought that was a nice little she's his friend and his first love and she just happens to be disabled which was a nice little thing to put in there i think yeah i agree i really like that too that uh the uh that it's just not a thing yeah it's just a friend like anybody else would have friends Uh, and i love that too i maybe his roommate is a little annoying a little much but the actor is so good yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and I don't know. I just, I love it. I think it's uh, all, I think it's really sweet. I think it's really well written, well acted. And I think it's genuinely funny. So yeah. Beautiful to look at. And I mm-hmm. love the soundtrack. Uh, mm-hmm. Elvis Costello. All I have to hear is like that opening, like the shivers go down your spine with she, as he's like singing this, you know, beautiful ballad just o- over the opening and it kills you. Yeah. 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 yeah, very romantic, very beautiful. But I know that was the ones that we wanted to focus on today, but there are so many others that we referenced while we were kind of coming up with yeah. ideas. So just ones we missed, or you want to reiterate that people should check out from this era, um, maybe 90s, maybe early zeros, because kind of the early zeros felt like the 90s in terms of filmmaking. So yeah, <laughs> just anything from this or late 80s, even just this whole era. Well, I mean, I do love You've Got Mail. It's yeah, such a one quotable of my movie. That script yeah. is so funny. It I... is. F-O-X. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> They're called yeah. readers, Dad. <laughs> uh, yeah. The nanny. Oh, God. Okay, we could just do a whole quote. Yeah, we really could. Yeah. <laughs> um, I'm trying to think. I mean, you have... Prince Bride and When Harry Met Sally in 90, mm-hmm. I mean, 88, I believe, 88. Um, 88, 89, yep. Mm-hmm. Uh, and those are great. Uh, we mentioned Sabrina, fun. which is yeah, very I good. I love that one. I love it too. I think I like it even better than the original, which is. I do too. And that's horrible because, <laughs> I mean, it is Billy Wilder, but like I did an episode on. Uh, the movies, I think I talked about Sabrina twice last year on the podcast. And I just had to like straight up admit, like, you know what? It's a good movie, but 
I prefer the new one. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I just don't feel like Humphrey Bogart is interested in being in that movie. And that no, he looks so it. bored. Yeah. 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 That uh, they have no chemistry at all. And I, I mean, I don't think he wanted to, I really don't think he wanted to be in the movie. Mm-hmm. I mean, some other ones you have 10 things I hate about you is definitely a fan favorite. Yeah. And I, I enjoy it. Uh, you have the cutting edge. Oh, one of my favorites. Right. (laughs) Yeah. I, one of my, I guess one of my guilty pleasures, although I have no guilt, but I love um, Beautician and the Beast with Fran Drescher. You know, I haven't seen that since like childhood. I probably should again. Yeah. Yeah, I love it. Yeah. Uh, I love her. I think she's so funny. She Um, is funny. Yeah. I'm trying to think. um, Those are some just off the top of my head. French Kiss. Did you like that mm-hmm, one at all? Mm-hmm. That was good. I love that one. Yeah. yeah. Beautiful scenery. You got Kevin Klein being funny again. Uh, yeah. There's as good as it gets. Uh, oh, yes. That mm-hmm. one's pretty good. You got, I, I, there's, um, um she's all that. Rachel Cook. Popular. Yes. Yeah. I, I need to watch that one again, too. I think I was maybe like slightly too old for it or something when it came out, or maybe I'd moved mm. on in my taste, but I I need to watch it again because so many people have a lot of affection for it and I love her. So I really need to go back and watch. Did it's, you like, ever... it's decent. It's, yeah. it's solid. Yeah. Yeah. I'm trying to think of the era. Only You is one I always adored. With oh, yeah. Marissa I love that. Tomei. Uh, we Pat- just reviewed on Hallmarkies podcast for President's Day. We just reviewed the American President, which is That's I think one of one. Sorkin's best scripts. I really do. I do too. That was one of the first movies I wrote a review of, like for the school paper in high school. I remember it was American <laughs> President. Yeah, going back to Marissa Tomei, uh, I love Happy Accidents. People who've listened to this podcast know that by now because I talk about it all the time. I've seen that. Oh, it's so good. I think it was made in like 98, 99, but it didn't get released uh, for a year or two. If you can't find it, let me know. I'll hook you up. But yeah, that's a good one. Uh, the Tao of Steve. Have you seen that one? I haven't seen that. Oh, that's another oh, one. That's so Donald good. Logue. Very, very funny. Yeah. I really like It Could Happen to You. I do too. Thank yeah. you for bringing that up. My <laughs> friend, uh, the author William Boyle and I did an episode on Nicolas Cage and for like seriously half a day we were thinking should we talk about it It could happen to you like we almost worked it in we might have to do a part two just because we're the only two until now thank you rachel we thought we were the only two people that were like really into it could happen to you yeah Yeah, rosie presents a lot in it she gets to be she's a lot she's a lot but other than that i i love the fact that when she first finds out that she won the lottery what does she or she's been given this money what does she do she goes out and buys macadamia nuts (laughs) yes because isn't that true that we all have that like that one little indulgence you wouldn't go out and buy a car first thing you'd go out and like buy that thing that usually you don't uh let yourself have yeah, you would do. <laughs> yes, I know. I don't even know what I would probably buy for, but something like that. Like get like yeah. a really fancy charcuterie board or something. I, I just yes. feel like that's the kind of thing that most people would actually do, but they rarely do that in the movies. Mm-hmm. So I, I really enjoy that. And um, there's also Groundhog Day. That's a classic. I love that. Mm-hmm. Did you ever see uh, Multiplicity is another one that I adore? 
I've never seen it. I, I've oh, heard good things. Yeah. I think I if you like it. Michael Keaton at all or Andy McDowell, I think you'll get a kick out of it. Yeah. It was just a great time for romantic comedies it really was. in the 90s and early aughts, uh, and we need them back. I'm so excited that Mary Me seems to have done pretty well Yeah, because I, I and then we have next month, uh, the uh, Lost City, which, you know, you've got, uh, it looks like it pays a lot of homage to Romance in the Stone and Nims oh, Island cool. and the African Queen, all those kinds of, we're going to do a whole episode of our podcast in, uh, in March on those Miss and uh, not mystery on those uh, adventure romances. It's going to be fun. Oh, that'll be really cool. Mm-hmm. I can't wait for that. So. I didn't watch yet. Can you tell me if it's good? Uh, I want you back. What was that one like? I really liked it. Okay, I went cool. into it knowing almost nothing about yeah. it. Uh, so it was a very pleasant surprise. It's definitely, it's an R-rated film. It's on the raunchier side. It's mm-hmm. not Hallmark approved, as we like to say. <laughs> <laughs> but, but I really liked it. I thought it was genuinely funny. Uh, mm-hmm. And more, almost more about friendship than about romance, which I appreciate. We should probably talk about Marry Me before we go. I thought it was, it was cute. It was fun. Mm-hmm. It wasn't my favorite, but I do love Jayla when she's on and in this mode. Like, I really still get a kick out of, I'm fine saying it out loud, like unashamed to admit it. Wedding Planner is good, yeah. people. It's yeah. a good movie. Yeah. I like it too. Yeah. Oh, another one we didn't mention. Uh, I guess this is in the, in the 2000s, but How to Lose a Guy in 10 Days. That is such a great Very script. hilarious. Yes. Yeah. Uh, it, it, it's not the kind of script that's not given its fair share, but it's really funny. And, mm-hmm. uh, marry me, I thought was fine. I enjoyed yeah, it yeah. and I'm glad that it did well. Mm-hmm. And, and another role where it had to be played by Jennifer Lopez, there's no one else who yeah. could have played that part. And I thought Owen was really like a nice, uh, sparring partner for you. you can tell they actually genuinely like each other, which mm-hmm. is helpful. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I, I felt sometimes though that she actually had better chemistry with the Maluma guy, <laughs> which she, was so well, hard because I'm like, was, you're supposed to hate this person, but I they, know. And all the yeah. music was so good. He was uh, really talented. Like halfway through, I'm like, who the hell is this guy? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But it was fun. I, I enjoyed it. it yeah. And uh, more rom coms, please. We need them, not just we on Netflix. We rom-coms. need them in the theaters. Yes. Yeah, yes. let's bring them back. Well, Rachel, <laughs> I just want to thank you so much for doing this. It's always such a joy to talk to you. It's been great getting to know you over the past few years, especially over all these podcast conversations and on social. So this was a real treat. I just want to thank you. That was so much fun. Anytime. Anytime. Great. Come on back. Yes. Okay. <laughs> I also want to thank everyone for listening, especially my patrons who support the show and help fund my research equipment film rentals, RSS fees, and more for as little as a dollar per month at the Film Intuition Patreon, which is the home base for the show. Other ways you can support the podcast are by sharing, reviewing, and subscribing to watch with Jen wherever you get your podcasts, and also checking out the cool merch store hosted and created by our talented logo designer, Kate Gabrielle. You can find the merchandise store, including shirts, tote bags, stickers, and more by visiting filmintuition.com and clicking on the shop link.
The show's theme music is solo acoustic guitar by Jason Shaw and is available in the free music archive. You can also reach me or interact with Watch With Jen anytime on Twitter, either at Film Intuition or our Watch With Jen account as well. Well, until next time, please take care and happy movie watching. This is Jen Johans at FilmIntuition.com and FilmIntuition on social media and Letterboxd. And this is Watch with Jen.